Are you really worried about gas prices? Are these gas prices making you sweat? Renegade Nation, your cleanliness is a reflection of you, especially below the belt. And I've had a beard for a long time, but I never thought about taking care of my testicles with the same time and effort that I do my face. That's why you have to check out Ballsy. They make men's products for man parts. It's no secret that testicles are prone to odor, sweat, irritation. So upgrade your testicle game with Ballsy. They make quality, long-lasting products formulated to keep you fresh, comfortable, and confident. Whether you're a guy who loves lawn work and drinking a cold one in your man cave, or you're interested in self-care but don't want to smell like cupcakes or flower arrangements, Ballsy is for all the guys who want a great product to serve your testicle needs. Ballsy is made from only the good stuff like essential oils and plant extracts. No sulfates, power beans, synthetic dyes, and of course, no testing on animals. So when in doubt, Renegade Nation, go for it all. The Sack Pack is the ultimate trifecta of products specifically formulated to take care of your most prized possessions. Not sure where to start? Well, Take their quick to get a customized system tailored to your personal sacitation. And it's made in the USA. All ballsy personal care products are proudly produced in the U.S. and always will be. And it's a perfect gift for any time of the year or even a gift for yourself. Ballsy's ball-focused hygiene practices will improve your daily comfort, skin comfort, and keep you smelling incredible. They guarantee with over 200,000 satisfied customers, Renegade Nation, and a 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got to give Ballsy a try. So keep the funk off your junk, Renegade Nation. And right now, if you go to ballwash.com, let me, let me repeat that to you, ballwash.com forward slash Renegade, and put in the promo code Renegade, you'll receive 20% off your order of $50 or more. That's 20% off when you go to ballwash.com slash renegade and put in the promo code renegade. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. I can't. It's Thursday. I don't know why. Just keep on feeling like it's Friday. Probably because everything's moving so fast. They're certainly accelerating their plans to destroy us, destroy humanity, right? Uh, So today we have got the January 6th sham meeting, hearing, witch hunt, whatever you want to call it, still going on. Obviously, um, Wednesdays was canceled and okay and uh we so they've resumed uh so we're going to talk about that covid positive fauci is getting another brilliant shakedown from rand paul so we're going to get to see some of that thank goodness for rand paul in this situation at least he's continuing to hold fauci's feet to the fire so we're going to cover some of that um and beyond that we're just going to cover the total disregard for the sanctity of life 
Talking to somebody later in the show, Mark Davis Pickup, who knows a lot very personally about this agenda to destroy the sanctity of life. And um, I just realized my makeup bag was on here. So I'll, I'll remove that, guys. <laughs> I ran in here to, after I printed something. But first, as you know, before we get into the thick of it and what I really wanted to cover, this um, attack on our food supply, just another way for them to attack us. And I mean, it's becoming more and more clear. But uh, before we get into all that, I do want to share the verse of the day, which is Psalm 23. Yeah, yay, though I, wa- uh, that's the uh, super slang version that, yeah, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, no, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, um, that is a good verse to always turn back to in these dark times where it just seems like evil is winning and evil is attacking us. But when I read that verse again today, and that was the New King James Version, I'm like, what does that really mean, though? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So I did find some analysis on this just to get a little bit deeper of a perspective on this verse. And it was interesting read. Um, So we know that this this chapter of Psalm 23, it starts with talking about the Lord as our shepherd. So when it's referring to the staff and the rod, it's obviously referring to what they mean in that context. So here's what I found. A staff gives rest. So a shepherd might use a staff as something to lean on in case the ground is not dry or safe. So the staff serves as a symbol that we too can find rest when we lean on the Lord. The staff is our rescue So in the field, a shepherd would use the curly end of the staff to pull a sheep out of thick brush or to lift it if it happened, um, if, if the sheep happened to fall or was injured. So the staff is our rescue. God is our rescue. And the staff is our guide. The staff was also used to guide sheep across open fields. The Lord's staff still guides us today in every area of our lives if we allow him to. And then the rod. So what's the rod? The rod is our protection. The rod was used to defend the sheep against predators. The rod is a symbol of love. Apparently, most shepherds used their rods as a means of counting their sheep. So what does counting mean for believers? It means God lovingly acknowledges us. He counts us as his own, as part of his family when we pass under his rod. So just a little extra perspective on that very commonly used verse, Psalm 23 Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And now we know, for some context, what your rod and the staff mean, um, to give that verse a little bit more meaning. So that I chose for the verse of the day, uh, and uh, now would be a good time to remind you that, you know, also in the Bible, we, t- we hear of famines and, you know, short food supplies in the Bible. So just as a reminder... We have a Joseph of our time. We have somebody that's been storing away food for us, and you can take advantage of that by going to preparetoday.com, preparetoday.com, one-stop shop to get highest quality storable foods and preparedness here. When we get back. and lots to cover today. 
So I will try and get through all of it. So we had another day of theater. January 6th sham theater on display. Now, shockingly, they went ahead with this hearing. You know, they had to cancel the other one before. We're still not really sure why. Apparently short-staffed. I mean, didn't they have over a year to prepare for these things? And they already had practice runs, an impeachment one and an impeachment two trial. But, you know, they just weren't ready for the other hearing. It did move forward today. But, you know, there was some speculation that one of the reasons they had to cancel the other was just because it's just tanking. People are not watching this thing. Uh, so I, I I have a theory that people are still also just not interested in watching this thing, this, this theater, uh, because uh, now they're just having to cut away from it. So this is what happened on NBC. Have to show you. I laughed when I saw this clip number one. We're going to have to end our coverage of this January 6th hearing on the NBC network. My colleagues and I will continue our coverage on the hearings on our streaming platform, NBC News Now. For everyone else, U.S. Open golf begins momentarily. So they decided that there was more truth and more entertainment in a golf special than this ridiculous circus of a January 6th committee hearing, uh, which was really quite funny. Like I said, I just laughed when I saw that. Um, and But today was supposed to focus on Pence. It's all about Pence today. So just to give you a taste of what was being said, we have Greg Jacob, the vice president's counsel. He was testifying before the panel on the theory that Mike Pence could overturn the election results during this joint session of Congress. Let's take a, a look at that. We concluded that what you have is a sentence in the Constitution that is inartfully drafted. But the vice president's first instinct when he heard this theory was that there was no way that our framers, who abhorred concentrated power, who had broken away from the tyranny of George III, would ever have put one person, particularly not a person who had a direct interest in the outcome, because they were on the ticket for the election in a role to have decisive uh, impact on the outcome of the election. And our review of text, history, um, and frankly just common sense all confirmed the vice president's first instinct on that point. There is no uh, justifiable basis to conclude that the vice president has that kind of authority. So the whole problem with this was the they're inferring that it, Trump and everybody was asking Pence to just arbitrarily decide to overturn the election no matter what. That it was all based on this one person, as he said in that testimony, that he was shocked at, that there would be any inference that one person could could have this power and authority. But the problem with that is that's not really ever been the argument as much as I can gather. Uh, so I did find an article on a substack from Cornbeef Catholicism, and um, he's kind of explaining the same thing that I'm talking about, like, is that even the issue at play? Was Pence really being asked to overturn arbitrarily the whole election, resting solely on his shoulders? I mean, they, they that's the narrative they push, and, and they're so dramatic about it. But here's what he had to say. He says there, and this is Dan Flaherty, I guess is how you'd say that, there are 
any number of lies told about the 2020 presidential election. One of them is that on January 6, 2021, then-President Trump was pressuring his then-VP, Mike Pence, to overturn the election. The only problem with the narrative is that's not remotely true. Donald Trump never asked Pence to overturn the election. In fact, Trump only asked Pence to do what state legislatures themselves were requesting. In three of those states, Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania, there were requests from the state legislator for additional time to review the legality of their elections. That is to decide if the original certification, which must take place at the state level, had been correct. These states needed help in Washington. They needed at least one person from the Senate, one person from the House to officially challenge the results in their specific state. That would lead to a debate of two hours, and Pence would then have to decide whether to give a final acceptance to the certification or send it back to the states. Not overturn, send it back to the states. Or would he? There was and remains a debate over that. So in this scenario, forcing that cause of action would have required Pence to decline signing off on final certification to effectively set them aside, not overturn, set them aside, and request 10 additional days of investigation. I think it's fair to say that had this occurred, of course, we would have gotten a lawsuit from the Biden administration. But then we could have had the courts come in and kind of interpret and sort this all out, what the Constitution meant by what power or authority he actually did have. But again, it was never in question to overturn the election. It was just to see if he could aid in the states in sorting out their legislator issues. So, yeah. Does it sound like overturning? No, no, it doesn't. Um, But this is the drama. This is the theater that they want to put out there. And as long as they say it enough, they think that that's the question. It's kind of the whole straw man argument. We're not even saying that he had the power to just arbitrarily overturn an election, but he could have stepped in and kind of helped us sort this out, the irregularities, and maybe given 10 more days, which... Yes, it would have brought it very close to January 20th. But the bottom line is January 20th was the only time, the only deadline that needed to be met. It didn't need to be met on January 6th. Okay, so moving on, uh, while they have that going on, they refuse to let go of this Representative Barry Loudermilk (laughs) dragging him through the mud. So they say the select committee renews request for information from the representative Um, to gather more information about certain individuals who are part of the tour. And then they have this video and they're like, why are they taking all these pictures? I don't understand. They sent a letter um, asking for more clarification. This all after the Capitol Police, even the corrupt Capitol Police, said there is no evidence that this was like some recognizance or, or or. checking it out and planning this attack. Um, Even the Capitol Police cleared him, and they just will not drop it. I even saw some tweets about somebody else was running a tour. I don't know. It's just they seem desperate. They seem desperate. So they want more information from him, and um, they've asked him to meet with them to discuss the tour. He's ripped the panel in response, accusing the members of doubling down on their smear campaign and undermining the Capitol Police, who already put the false accusation to bed but you know grasping at straws bringing out anything they can and if that's not enough now they want to bring Ginny Thomas back into the mix so Ginny Thomas uh Supreme Court Justice uh Clarence Thomas's wife is who we're talking about um they say they have emails between Ginny Thomas and John Eastman there are requests to have her testify before the committee um 
from what I can tell, she's already saying that she has too busy of a schedule and she can't make this happen. But again, I mean, doesn't this seem desperate? They're making all these last minute decisions. They're they're like, wait, even though this guy was cleared, let's bring him back in. Let's ask him more questions. And we didn't have this on the schedule, but now we we really need to talk to Ginny Thomas. I mean, they've been preparing for this for what, over a year? And again, they had two trial runs, impeachment one and two. But it's just they're scrambling and they're so desperate to find something here. So uh, the source who spoke with CNN, this is from CNN, would not provide details on email contents between Jenny Thomas and John Eastman or say if they were direct messages or part of a larger correspondence. But, you know, there just might be something here. It, it seems that if there was even any criticism or any speculation of wrongdoing, that that's just part of a planned overturning of the government. It's, it's so far reaching, so disgusting. And these are the very same people that call people like you and me conspiracy theorists, conspiracy, conspiracy theorists. I can't even say it. conspiracy theorists. And this is all the conspiracy theories that they're putting out there. Oh, she had something to do with it. Uh, they were staking out the Capitol, even though that's another thing that came out with the Lauderman thing. He wasn't even in that particular area. It's just all insane. Um, We're going to talk and finish up this topic when we get back. Also talk about the Fauci COVID positive and then takedown by Rand Paul. Um, And just a lot more to talk about, but it's all positive. That's what I think. All positive stuff today. I want to take a minute out to address the viewers and listeners of InfoWars. And to remind you that we've been vindicated and that world government and its tyrannical aim of depopulation is now out in the open. Everything you and I have done together has been historic. And we cannot continue in this fight without your support. I want to encourage you all to be part of history right now while you still can to get the third and final coin in the founding member coin series, the come and take it free men bear arms coins at 1776coin.com. In just a few days, this coin will be gone forever. And you will have the coin in your possession and know you helped InfoWars stay on air at the most critical time in our 28-year history. So I want to thank you all for your support. I want to encourage you all to be part of history and to get this historic memento that keeps us on air at InfoWarsStore.com or 1776Coin.com while you still can. PrepareToday.com PrepareToday.com or simply follow the URL that is a hyperlink to PrepareToday.com from PrepareWithAlex.com. High quality storable food is now back in stock, ready to ship to you and your family. We've not sold food for three months because there was a wait. Now there is not a wait. Almost every other storable food distributor is completely out and will not have more food for months, if ever and the prices are exploding. Ladies and gentlemen, now is the time to protect yourself and your family and not be dependent on the system. The time to be self-sufficient is now. We have the best deals on high-quality storable food and a whole spectrum of the preparedness and survival items right now at preparetoday.com. That's preparetoday.com or simply type in preparewithalex.com and it's a hyperlink to preparetoday.com. Get prepared now at preparetoday.com. Infowars.com forward slash show.
Welcome back to the War Room. Chris Kubi in for Owen Troyer today. Finishing up uh, all this coverage that is just so exciting of the January 6th committee hearings that, you know, they have to break away from it to cover golf. Uh, wanted to talk about the things that you don't hear in this uh, theater show. So here's this from Just the News. Bloody war. Capitol Police first warned about violence two weeks before January 6th riots memo show. Right-wing extremists are talking about tunnels below the Capitol complex and allegiances of U.S. CP officers. Capitol Police intelligence expert wrote in an email uh, December of 2020, and he sent that off. Two days later, another Capitol Police official sent a series of attachments. And uh, it was an email summarizing recent domestic terrorism threats. And so then the same day as the D.C. government warning, the Department of Homeland Security sent Capitol Police an extensive dossier about online and social media chatter, suggesting the event could be violent. Representative Jim Banks, who's investigated the security failures, he said the new memos make clear Capitol Police had extensive reason to suspect widespread violence would occur that day and had more than two weeks to prepare for it. He added, it is incumbent to learn what, if anything, Democratic leaders who controlled security for the Capitol, including Pelosi and Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer, were told from those intelligent assessments before a decision was made on January 4th, 2021, to turn down the Trump administration's offer of National Guard troops. Now, as I was talking about before on whether or not Pence actually had this ability to overturn the election and actually what the narrative is supposed to be is if Pence had any power to grant the request for 10 additional days to investigate these and particularly the states in question. And um, it, it worked out conveniently that it really didn't even get to that point because all hell broke loose, for lack of a better term. And um, is it possible that, you know, they wanted this chaos, they wanted this confusion because they realized that would make it really difficult to even potentially follow these alternative decisions. I mean, when everything is breaking loose like that, you put it in a, people in a much harder position, those in leadership in a much harder position to push putting things off because then it looks bad. So, you know, could be part of their evil plan. I'd be more likely to believe that than anything that's coming out in the January 6th sham uh, hearings there. So now shifting, we it's everyone's talking about Fauci and um, how he's COVID positive. You know, we've all seen him with all of these masks on, wasn't even recommending like three masks at one point. Um, biggest cheerleader for the vaccines and their boosters. So supposedly has gotten all of that, but now he finds himself COVID positive. But you know, I thought that this couldn't happen according to, you know, himself. So let's go ahead and uh, just refresh our memories, shall we, of what uh, Dr. Fauci used to say about the vaccines. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. Wait, what? <laughs> Play that one more time. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. Oh, really? Because you just got sick, supposedly. It's just you always have to almost add supposedly to everything because it's just like, one, we don't know if he actually got the shot because we also know that there was another big pharma guy, right, that um, it has now been accused. And, and I believe 
they being investigated for getting a fake vaccine card and a fake shot. So we don't even know if he actually got anything. But um, he said he did. And he said that that, you know, would protect him. And supposedly, you know, he has COVID. So that's interesting how that all works. Meanwhile, um, obviously, this aggressive push to vaccinate the least at risk for getting COVID, uh, uh, those zero to five years old. Um, and it, it's just crazy how the how aggressive it is to to get children vaccinated. I mean, even in adults, we can see that it's waning, that although there's more infections, according to the data, there's more COVID infections now than even a year ago. There's less hospitalizations and less deaths. And I mean, that could be any number of reasons, but some of the, I'll just throw out that vague term experts. Some of the experts say that that's because this virus is waning, but um, this is just another excuse to attack governor Ron DeSantis and from the Miami Herald. They're attacking him now because he was the only governor that did not pre-order these COVID jabs for kids under five. Here's the article uh, from Liberty daily. Um, Showing this, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis may be the only sane governor in the country. All of the others, whether Republican or Democrat, pre-ordered COVID jabs for kids under the age of five. I mean, just think of how insane that is. Forty-nine out of fifty governors pre-ordered the jab for zero to five-year-olds, and he was the only one that did not. And of course, he he got drugged through the mud by the Miami Her- Herald for this. The Miami Herald saying every state has placed an order with the federal government to ensure coronavirus vaccines for young children are delivered as soon as regulators authorize their use, except for one. Florida missed a Tuesday deadline to request delivery of COVID-19 pediatric vaccines for children under five, guaranteeing a delay in access for parents across the state, according to two U.S. government sources. I mean, just think of how they write that, that that he did something that's going to harm, you know, parents' access to something that could help their child. But last I read, uh, of all the campaigning they've done for this vaccine, particularly for the children, uh, only 18% of parents are actually even interested. So think about how much less the percentage, and that's nationwide, so think about how much less of the percentage of parents uh, that would be interested in getting this vaccine for their child would be in one state. But it's still, nevertheless, very disappointing that only one governor turned away from the nonsense. So this is the response from the press secretary for the Florida Department of Health, Jeremy Redfern. He says the Florida Department of Health has made it clear to the federal government that that states do not need to be involved in the convoluted vaccine distribution process, especially when the federal government has a track record of developing inconsistent and unsustainable COVID-19 policies. Good for him and very well put. Uh, So as this article uh, points out, Daniel Horowitz tweeted, it is a disgrace that every single governor except DeSantis has put in orders for Pfizer's kill shots for babies. Rather than be distracted by soap opera news, this is what every red state conservative must be focused on. These governors must be made to give an account for genocide. Sure am liking Ron DeSantis more and more every day. And actually, to be honest, liking Trump less and less every day. And I know some of you are going to be angry for saying that, but this is guy. This guy is putting his money where his mouth is. He is knowing what is important. He is reading the room. He is not falling for all of this stuff that doesn't make sense, and especially not the jab. You have Trump continually, to this day, defending Operation Warp Speed and how great it was. 
But DeSantis, the one governor with the courage and the bravery to deny this stupid show of pumping our children, especially babies that wouldn't even be able to verbally communicate if they've been harmed by the vaccine. Imagine a baby having heart problems and can't even verbally say that there's something wrong. This was the one governor that was brave enough to protect babies like that. And let's not forget it. Ron DeSantis, it's no wonder that he has Elon Musk's support. I got to show you his reaction to that. If you haven't seen it yet, it is gold. Maybe we'll show you that after the break. I'm a humble person. And I want to say that I'm just a man. But I'm not just a man. Just like you. No matter what color you are, whether you're a man or a woman, you were made by the creator of the universe who had a plan for you, who has a destiny for you. That's why the system hates you and fears you. That's why they hate me. It's because the spirit I carry is one of justice and truth and courage and honor and will and love. My friends, the enemy's coming after me, not because I'm a loser, but because I'm a winner. They're coming after you, not because... You're a bad person because you're a good person, because you love God and God loves you. And so I signed up for this. I signed up for this fight. And I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. But I can't fight this fight without you. That's why I want you to always remember that I appreciate you and I thank you because InfoWars is your fight. InfoWars is your baby. It's a thing you built. We did this together. So God bless you all. Let's keep fighting. The American way of life is under attack. This is the war room. Share this message right now at band.video. The only one brave enough and courageous enough, the only one, the only governor to reject the nonsense of the pre-order of these jabs for our babies, for our children. How disappointing is that? 49 others, Republicans and Democrats, went ahead and pre-ordered those shots right up. He's the only one that resisted the pressure. Good and DeSantis. And it made me think uh, of this case of Elon Musk endorsing him for president. And he's asked about it in a press conference. And because the producers rock, they uh, added this to the list during the commercial break. So take a look at this. I love this reaction. Uh, But with Elon Musk, what I would say is, you know, I welcome support from African-Americans. What can I say? (laughs) He's so smooth man right um so yeah definitely liking DeSantis more and more so meanwhile um with all of this clown world that we live in and and uh Fauci telling us that uh we we wouldn't get the the disease we wouldn't get the virus if we got vaccinated then now he has it after getting all of the shots and the boosters More is coming out about everything that we were lied to about. So this is from the Gateway Pundit, MSN, MSN, MSN. Can you believe it? They highlight a survey showing severe COVID-19 rare and unvaccinated. Remember this when this was a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Now MSN highlights that, you know, severe COVID-19 is rare 
and unvaccinated. Interesting. After months of safe and effective propaganda, health practitioners across the United States were revoked of their medical license, even criminally charged uh, for warning against the adverse effects of COVID vaccines that we saw, you know, big tech and social media ban us, censor us, take doctors and, you know, their beloved experts that weren't just being propaganda puppets for the machine. They would just take those off of the the big tech, the the social media websites. And um, now the the jabs, they do not protect against transmission of COVID and have killed more people than any vaccine in history. Even if the numbers of errors are are a little bit fudged, even if they're over-reporting, it's still a huge red flag, obviously, that this vaccine is not safe and effective like they have been touting. Now that most Americans purportedly complied with vaccine mandates, the corporate media slowly starting to report on the fact that vaccinated and boosted people appear to be catching COVID at higher rates than those who have refrained from getting the shot. The article details the findings of a survey of 18,500 unvaccinated respondents from 175 countries. Can you believe it? There was 18,500 unvaccinated people that didn't die? Oh, my gosh. Well, anyways, they, they of this survey, they relied on natural immunity throughout the COVID pandemic. According to the newly published survey, Conducted by the control group cooperative, unvaccinated people were more likely to self-care and manage through, oh my gosh, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, ivermectin, all those things they told you that were not effective or safe. That's how these unvaccinated individuals have avoided getting severely sick, according to the survey itself. So they're just finally starting to report on um, these things. So I did want to cover um, this whole attack on life in general. You know, they defend things that are actually killing life, like these jabs. They attack the things that are actually saving lives, like these medications, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and such. Um, But now we are seeing the true demonic activity when it comes to their aggressive push to continue killing babies in the abortion area. Going to be talking to Mark Davis Pickup in the next hour, um, who's a huge, huge advocate for life in general, those with disabilities, um, against euthanasia, against abortion. He has an amazing story um, and has been an amazing advocate in this field and in, in the Humans Right to Life organization. But um, meanwhile, the DO, remember when the DOG came out and they had a memo that's saying, you know, as... Things ramp up with the Supreme Court decision with the leak. By the way, did they ever find the leaker or did they just give up on that one? We're still arresting people for January 6th, but we still just have no idea who leaked the Supreme Court decision. That's neither here nor there. But um, they said that both pro-lifers and pro-abortionists could be violent in this tenacious decision. So um, it, it We'd like them to update because we haven't actually seen any evidence of violence from the pro-lifers. Just so far, the pro-abortionists. More than 40 churches and pro-life groups have been attacked. But again, you wouldn't know that from the mainstream media. This is from Western Journal. Churches and pro-life facilities have been attacked at least 41 times 
41 times in the last two months. Over the last 40 days, there have been at least 41 instances of attacks on churches, pro-life organizations, and pregnancies centers. That's according to the Washington Stand. And despite the huge amount of violence against these Christian organizations, Biden's Department of Homeland Security issued a terrorism threat that claimed that both sides are dangerous. So uh, that's not what the evidence is showing. And because of that, you now do have the, the GOP actually getting involved. It's so rare that they do this, but um, I appreciate that they rallied together for this one. The GOP to the DOJ investigate vandalism at anti-abortion centers as domestic tor- uh, terrorism. More than 100 House Republicans signed on to a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland asking the Department of Justice to investigate vandalism and attacks at anti-abortion pregnancy centers as domestic terrorism. Maybe A.G. Merrick Garland is too busy watching uh, these stupid January 6th sham hearing committee, whatever you want to call it. He's as much said so. He says he's been closely watching those, but he's willfully ignorant of the actual violence that is happening 41 times in the past couple of months against pro-life centers. Incidents of vandalism and suspected arson ticked up after the publication of the leaked Supreme Court draft opinion. Again, we still don't know who leaked that. Does Merrick Garland want to get on that to anyone? Anyone want to figure out who actually leaked that? Do we care? Um, So they are advocating um, the DOJ to actually describe this as domestic terrorism. It's amazing what the numbers can look like for who the domestic terrorists are uh, when they just ignore violence like this and then ramp up and only report on the violence that suits them, right? Makes it real easy to say that one side is violent when they ignore the violence of another. Uh, Meanwhile, prosecutors are unveiling harrowing details in the plot to kill Justice Kavanaugh. So this guy shows up. He has plans to break in to Justice Kavanaugh's home. He brings zip ties. He brings a gun. He plans to... he, He thought maybe that if he... He was thinking about suicide, he he told his sister, and, you know, he wanted his life to mean something. So maybe if he could take out Justice Kavanaugh, it would be more meaningful. But thankfully, you know, sh- the sister of this, Nicholas Roski, who has been charged with attempting to murder Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, she was able to talk him down and get him um, out of doing that. But this is something else. You just don't hear about it. We had an attempted murder, somebody charged with attempted murder of a Supreme Court justice, and we just don't hear about it. And we had Nancy Pelosi refuse to give them more security at least three times. Finally, the House passes a bill ramping up Supreme Court security after a month of delay. It's almost as if they were encouraging or, or wanted something to happen, you know? I mean, it's strange. Schumer was just asking for a whirlwind of of essentially pain to come the way of Clarence Thomas, Justice Kavanaugh, and the like. Um, and then some guy attempts to murder him and gets charged with it. Hmm. But they didn't want more security. Thankfully, they were able to get that pushed through. Going to finish talking about this after the break, this attack on the sanctity of life, and a special guest is heading our way into the next hour. In the meantime, support the InfoWar. This is information that you will only get here, obviously, because you don't hear about it on mainstream media. Continue to support the InfoWar, InfoWars store. InfoWars has made history. You have made history in your support of InfoWars. 
And one of the biggest tools we've had to circumvent and override the censors has been Patriot Apparel so we can identify each other, so we can spread the word, and so we can push people to websites like Infowars.com so they can understand the globalist plan and how to stop it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, two months ago we announced we're blowing out of all of our designs of t-shirts, some of which go back more than 25 years. All these shirts are limited edition. They are about to be history and will only exist in your closet, your drawer, or your wardrobe. So, there's only 15,000 shirts of 60 plus thousand left. In a couple weeks, they'll all be gone and they'll be history. We're selling them all at cost at InfoWarsStore.com. So, thank you all for your support. Please visit InfoWarsStore.com and get one of these historic shirts, hoodies, long sleeves, ball caps, you name it, while you still can. I want to thank you all for your support. InfoWarsStore.com. Ladies and gentlemen, high-quality, storable food is back in stock, ready to ship right now. We've not been selling food for three months because it was taking several weeks for the food to get packaged and delivered to you. Most other companies are completely out, but now they have a large spectrum of high-quality food ready to ship. Everything you find at preparewithalex.com or preparetoday.com is in stock, ready to ship. So go to preparewithalex.com or preparetoday.com and order your high-quality, storable food right now, ready to ship to you and your family. With the inflation happening, with the food shortages, with the wars, with the collapsing borders, everything's happening. Is one of the most important decisions you can make is to have high-quality, storable food, water filtration, air filtration, and more. And it's not just those items. It's hundreds of other high-quality preparedness items and survival items right now at preparewithalex.com that, again, redirects to preparetoday.com. I would not procrastinate, ladies and gentlemen. One of the most important things you can do is get ahead of inflation now because the inflation is just beginning. something that I had wanted to play. Talked about at the beginning of the show, this glorious takedown of Fauci yet again by Senator Rand Paul. I want to get right into that, actually, uh, because he this is a a longer clip. I may not play the whole thing, but um, there's a couple awesome takeaways out of it. So clip number four. So there is clinical data, But, but not in children. Well, well, see, here's the thing is you're not willing to be honest with the American people. So, for example, 75 percent of kids have had the disease. Why is the CDC not including this in the data? You can ask the question. You can do laboratory tests to find out who's had it and who hasn't had the disease. What is the incidence of hospitalization and death for children who have been infected with covid subsequently going to the hospital or dying. What, what, are, what is the possibility if your kid has had COVID, which is 75% of the country's had COVID, what is the chance that my child's going to the hospital or dying? If you look at the number of deaths in pediatrics, Senator, you can see that there are more deaths of people who have had it, of people who have had the disease. Uh, Senator, we also know from other studies that the optimal degree of protection when you get infection is to get vaccinated after infection. And in fact, showing reinfection in the era of Omicron and the sublineages, that vaccination... But you can't follow- answer the question I asked. The question I ask is how many kids are dying 
and how many kids are going to the hospital who've already had COVID? The answer may be zero, but you're not even giving us the data because you have so much wanted to protect everybody from all the data because we're not smart enough to look at the data. When you release data earlier, when the CDC released the data, they left out the category of 18 to 49 on whether or not there was a health benefit for, for adults 18 to 49. Why was it left out? When critics finally complained, it was finally included because there was no health benefit from taking a booster between the 18 to 49 and the CDC study. Another question for you. The NIH continues to refuse to voluntarily divulge the names of scientists who receive royalties and from which companies. Over the period of time from 2010 to 2016, 27,000 royalty payments were paid to 1,800 NIH employees. We know that, not because you told us, but because we forced you to tell us through the Freedom of Information Act. Over $193 million was given to these 18 employee, 1,800 employees. Can you tell me that you have not received a royalty from any entity that you ever oversaw the distribution of money in research grants? Um, well, first of all, let's talk about royalty. That's the question. No, that's the question. Have you oh, ever no, overseen, Senator, have you ever received a royalty playing. payment from a company that you later oversaw money going to that company? You know, I don't know is a fact, but I doubt it. Well, well here's the thing is, why don't you let us know? Why don't you reveal uh, how much you've gotten and from what entities? The NIH okay, refuses. Senator, Look, Senator. We ask them. We ask them. The NIH, we ask them whether or not who got it and how much. They refuse right. to tell us. They sent it redacted. Here's what I want to know. It's not just about you. Everybody on the vaccine committee, have any of them ever received money from the people who make vaccines? Right. Can you tell me uh, that? Can you tell me if anybody Senator, on the vaccine approval committees ever received gonna, any money from people who make the vaccines? Soundbite number one, are you going to let me answer a question? Okay, so let me give you some information. First of all, according to the regulations, people who receive royalties are not required to divulge them, even on their financial statement, according to the Bayh-Dole Act. So let me All right, we can pull out of, uh, out of it right there. So uh, a couple key takeaways there. Uh, he, he's always saying, are you going to even let me answer the question? But the thing is, you heard him. He's always like, eh, eh, me, me. And then he always is diverting and like trying to avoid the direct questions. That's the thing. So Rand Paul always has to press him to get a direct answer out of him. First thing he was talking about is the children. He was pressing... Uh, Fauci on this aspect of the big push to vaccinate the children. And Rand Paul summarized this in a tweet today. He said, today I asked Fauci a simple question. Are there any studies that show a reduction in hospitalization or death for children that take a booster? And he could not, would not answer that question because, well, I, I guess he, he did say no. I, I mean, when he was back into the corner, um, so, again, why is the government recommending it then if there's no studies that show reduction, reduction in hospitalization or death? Even the approval we saw was a big sham because it was based on 10 kids out of nearly 2000 that actually got sick. And then they, they base a whole study on this to get their approval. And again, this is for children that have like what about a one percent chance or less 
of having any kind of severe reaction from COVID anyways. It's just so obviously a money grab. They have all of these vaccines sitting around because enough people have wised up not to take them. It's so obviously a money grab that threatens to hurt our children. It's just maddening. It's, it's so disheartening to see that people won't wake up and see this for what it is. It just seems so clear and straightforward. Unlike Fauci, who's very unclear and, and not straightforward. The other part of this is he was pressing him on the royalties. He was trying to avoid, evade, evade, avoid this question about if there's you know, a conflict of interest when it comes to all these things, if it does go back to the money, like we all presume. The best answer to that question that he could get was basically like, well, they're not required to. They're not required to list that. So they don't. And here we are. <sighs> so forgot to get to that sooner. Back to um, protection of life and how the liberals and the extreme left are just losing their minds because they so badly want to kill babies. Meanwhile, while they fight over whether the Supreme Court can send it back to the states and let the states decide for themselves. South Dakota, now the second state that's effectively outlawed abortion. South Dakota, now abortion-free as last abortion business stops killing babies. So uh, South Dakota follows Oklahoma, as I said, as the second abortion-free state in America after its governor, Kevin Stitt, signed a Texas-style bill banning abortions starting at conception with a private enforcement mechanism. So here in Texas, we effectively banned at six weeks, so not all abortions are banned, um, but they took it a step further in South Dakota. I mean, the last operating abortion center worked for the last day, apparently, today. So um, making strides there, some people are finally recognizing the value of life. Uh, Meanwhile, Biden might declare a public health emergency to secure abortion rights as Roe decision looms. So we still don't even have a decision on this uh, from the Supreme Court. It's like everyone's doing SCOTUS watch, but it still has not come out. But he's already preemptively planning uh, some kind of authoritarian way that he can ensure that women can kill their kill their children. One option he is considering is a declaration of a public health emergency Oh, I never heard that that before. They're just going to use public health emergencies for everything now. Biden's aides are weighing this decision whether he would be able to pull it off legally. Additional options being considered, officials say, include preparing the Justice Department to fight attempts made by individual states to criminalize travel for the purpose of getting an abortion and declaring that regulations put forth by the FDA regarding abortion medications preempt state bans. And so he spoke with this uh, with Jimmy Kimmel on Jimmy Kimmel's show. He said, there's some executive orders I could employ. We believe we're looking into that right now. Reminder, uh, Biden issued a whopping 77 executive orders in his first year, many of which occurred during his first day in office. Compare that to Donald Trump and Barack Obama with 55 and 38, respectively. So that's going on. And meanwhile, from uh, MSDNC, you have Joe Scarborough talking about that those that would even raise these questions and point things, these things out, we are just wanting dictatorships. Actually, the exact opposite. We're pointing out that people like Biden want to issue all these emergency orders and get all around all of these things that he can't figure out how to legally 
control society. And, you know, that's what you would call a dictator. But uh, Joe, not according to Joe Scarborough, he says critics of MSM hate democracy and press freedoms and want Trump to be a dictator. How can they be this blind? Seriously, he says what they do is what enemies of press freedom, what what people who want Donald Trump to be a dictator do is we've seen it. They'll look through thousands and thousands of New York Times and Washington Post stories, and then they'll find an article that they didn't get right. And then we'll hear about it for weeks. No, it does actually doesn't really require a lot of of work. Um, I've been able to do a weekly segment on Media Malfeasance for almost a year now. <laughs> so it's really not hard. I can fill up a segment every week. We're going to get back. I'm a humble person. And I want to say that I'm just a man. But I'm not just a man. Just like you. No matter what color you are, whether you're a man or a woman, you were made by the creator of the universe who had a plan for you, who has a destiny for you. And that's why the system hates you and fears you. And that's why they hate me. It's because the spirit I carry is one of justice and truth and courage and honor and will and love. My friends, the enemy's coming after me, not because I'm a loser, but because I'm a winner. They're coming after you, not because you're a bad person, because you're a good person, because you love God and God loves you. And so I signed up for this. I signed up for this fight. And I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. But I can't fight this fight without you. That's why I want you always to remember that I appreciate you and I thank you because InfoWars is your fight. InfoWars is your baby. It's the thing you built. We did this together. So God bless you all. Let's keep fighting. The fight for the future is now. This is The War Room with Owen Schroyer. Watch the live stream at band.video. So we are going to be talking to Mark Davis Pickup in this hour. He is an experienced advocate with a demonstrated history of working in the writing and editing industry, skilled in nonprofit organizations, media relations, and journalism. He graduated from NAIT Radio and Television Arts. Um, he's an award-winning writer who enjoys freelance writing about Christian faith and ethics and blogging, Human Life Matters. Um, he has lived with a... Um, degenerative disability himself. So he is an advocate for speaking out about the value of those with the value of life with those with disabilities um, and also the sanctity of life when it comes to the unborn. And I believe that we have just connected with him so we can dive right in. Welcome in Mark Davis pickup. Hi. Hi. Now some might recognize you. I did do a previous story and had posted it about your miraculous um, healing that you experienced. I haven't really gotten an update on that other than you were fitted with leg braces. So um, maybe for those that don't know your story, just maybe touch upon um, what happened with you with that. Well, I have, I have multiple sclerosis. I've had it for three, seven years. Much of that time was uh, very vicious. It was really tough, tough. And I landed up a uh, triplegic and at its worst I was bordering on sort of hovering over quadriplegia and we went tried to my neurologist tried to experimental experimental therapy it didn't work nothing worked um, and uh, so I accepted that it was going to be uh, stuck in an electric wheelchair for the rest of my life 
And uh, in 2018, a marvelous thing happened uh, in that the Lord gave me some time to get out of the wheelchair and walk again after many, many years I'd spent, oh gosh, 15, 16 years in an electric wheelchair. And so he, he gave me, and I just got that time, I asked for a time that I could walk again. And uh, he has given that to me in uh, beginning in 2018, and it's still a go today. Although, as you mentioned with the braces, I did uh, go and get put back in the wheelchair when I caught COVID, and uh, that left some residual stuff. So I'm walking now, but I had to get fitted up for leg braces, which I'm wearing at the moment. Awesome. But it's so amazing. Um, You really spoke and gave the testimony of the power of prayer and that this had been a continued prayer, but you felt like you had had a lot to learn and that God had a lot to show you in that time that you were uh, praying for healing. Yes, I I had prayed previous to that, and uh, the answer always seemed to be no, and uh, I accepted that. Like I said, in in 2018, it was an often prayed prayer, and I, I asked the Lord if I could have a period of time that I would get out of the wheelchair and walk again. And uh, very slowly, it didn't happen immediately, but very slowly, um, I began to get my arm back, my right arm back in hand. And uh, I was able to write for the first time in 25 years, I was able to hold a, a pen. And uh, uh, one morning I had, I hadn't told my wife what was happening because I didn't know whether it would just fade away. But I wrote my name on a piece of paper when she came out in the morning, and uh, she she was absolutely stunned. Um, as uh, the weeks went on, I began. Uh, well, actually, what happened was I was sitting at it one morning in the uh, kitchen, and my mother-in-law had uh, just previously died, and uh, her walker in the corner, and I felt the presence of. Holy Spirit, and it said, get up and walk with that walker. Um, I hadn't walked or even stood for years, in, but I was told to do it, so I got up and walked five steps and called down the hallway to my wife, Laurie, and she came out of the bedroom and I said, watch. And I took another five steps with the walker. Amazing healing through prayer. We're going to hear more about. that wants to save the unborn. I have Mark Davis pick up with me, who's been an advocate 
for life in general, for the unborn and, and those with disabilities. And you were just talking about some healing that you have been able to get. You write about this beautifully. You talk about these issues beautifully. And you have a lot of personal experiences that can really shed light on why these topics are so important and why they're being so aggressively attacked. You did mention that being from Alberta, Canada, uh, Canada has even less of a, a respect for life, uh, which maybe explain that a little bit more when it comes to euthanasia and abortion. Well, in Canada, uh, we have universal health care. And somehow the, the leadership has deemed that abortion is part of health care. You can have an abortion for any reason whatsoever or no reason at all. You can have as many abortions as you want, and they're all paid for with tax dollars. The same now is true because uh, uh, euthanasia, what they like to call it medical assistance in dying, which is just a euphemism for euthanasia, that was legal at 26, and literally thousands of people with disabilities and uh, terminal illnesses have been given lethal injection since that time. Uh, and that too, every uh, every killing is paid for by the taxpayer. And you have, have basically have a warning that um, the U.S. has it has made repeated attempts to treat life as aggressively, get it to where we're all essentially promoting the ending of life through euthanasia and abortion by funding it with our tax dollars and um, no limits on when this can be done how many times it can be done, or anything like that, right? In Canada, there is no protection for the unborn at any point throughout the pregnancy. You, If you can find someone who's willing to do it, you can have an abortion right up to and including the day of, uh, of birth. We have no law at all on, on abortion. And I want to warn my American friends is if not to go the direction that we have gone. Um, it is just a terrible journey, journey, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. What can I say? It, look to us for an example of what not to do. What not to do. And this story is very personal to you. You, you said that you um, have felt extremely convicted to talk about this because um, of decisions that were made uh, when you were younger, Correct. Right, and I just want to go back and, and make a comment on the uh, the uh, the miracle that I was given four years ago. This is the, one of the problems with assisted suicide or euthanasia, is we make decisions based on today. We have no idea what tomorrow may bring, what's just around the corner. If uh, When I was 25 years old, if someone had told me that within five years I would be in a, in a wheelchair, that I would lose my physical function, that I, I would uh, have uh, uh, spasticity, that I would lose the use of my hand and my legs, that I would have this crippling fatigue, that I would have incontinence in myself. They told me that when I was 25 and athletic, had an upwardly mobile career, that even that career would be ended by the time I was 38. I would have said, I don't want it. I don't want that. And if I had not been surrounded by a community of concern, by a family that loved me, and by God himself. I can see that I might have chosen suicide because the future looked far too 
difficult to bear. But today, if you ask me, the whole equation has turned around. What gives my life quality today is not what I can do or my upwardly mobile career. It is to love and to be loved. That is what gives my life meaning and purpose now. Never use quality of life as your reason for suicide or euthanasia or abortion. It's a moving target and it changes over time. Such good advice. And then you said that as far as the abortion side of things that you had a personal experience with that as well that has motivated you well, to warn others? Um, yeah, I, I'm, when I, I have spoken all across North America um, from coast to coast to coast to coast on both abortion and uh, euthanasia. And when I've spoken about abortion, um, I am acutely aware that there are people, just by, by the basis of, of abortion, that there are bound to be people in the audience who have, in fact, gone through an abortion. They may have reconciled that, they may have not. They may not have even come to grips with the fact of what they've done, which is to kill an unborn child. And I've always made a point to say is, if you think that I'm pointing the finger at you, I want you to know that there's three pointing back at me because my hands are bloodied too. I have pushed my girlfriend to abort our first child 50 years ago, and I have never quite gotten over that. I have been forgiven, yes, absolutely. But there is still residual sadness that goes on even now as I'm approaching 70 years old, that my first child, I was the champion of her death. So and that became part of why um, I began to, to speak against it, to help to, to co-found a pregnancy care center in, in Edmonton, Canada here, that has helped literally thousands of women make life-affirming positive choices, not only for their children, but for themselves. And that I only wish had been available to me back in 1972. Oh, incidentally, Canada legalized abortion before America. It was legalized here in 1969. Do you think that um, these people that are so radical in pushing this abortion agenda, do you think that they also had experiences where they, as you put it, champion the death of their child, but they're dealing with the guilt in another way? Like they're, they're championing, championing um, abortion so that they, they don't have to feel guilty? It may be the case. I, I if, Abortion was sold very seductively. Um, it was sold as choice. It was, it was sold as promoting autonomy uh, for women and that, that a child at a certain point in their life would hamper their life. Um, that quite simply is not true. And I have seen it time and time again where people can continue on with their careers, continue on with their school, continue on with their life even though they have given a child that was unexpected, perhaps unwanted, a chance at life, and either placed that child for adoption or took that child in themselves. Um, whether or not they're angry with, with this is that they've been sold a bill of goods. Um, I know that in, in America right now, there's the, uh, the prospect of Roe v. Wade 
being struck down is a very real possibility. And when you read through that ruling, the justices will speak to the overreach that Justice Blackmun and the justices of the time used with particularly Amendment 14 and used the due process um, provisions and liberty. But if you ask about liberty, you're going to get uh, 40 different interpretations of what that is. Um, I do not think that liberty, when it was put into that amendment, it was ever envisioned that privacy, well, that was the other aspect, privacy ever included killing one's children, or that liberty ever included killing one's children, killing them on the altar of sexual, so-called freedom. That isn't liberty, that's license. That is barbaric. We place our children on the, on the altar of sexual expression for ourselves. They must pay the price. When we say my body, my choice, we're not talking about the mother's body. It's the baby that's going More to with Mark Davis pickup when we get after this break. There's an old Bedouin saying that's thousands of years old, and it goes like this. Trust in God, but tie up your camel. Hunter S. Thompson put it this way. Pray to God, but row away from the rocks. If your boat is going towards the rocks, pray to God that you don't get smashed on them and killed, but also try to row away. You can't just sit there like a jellyfish. And it's the same thing with our immune system. God helps those who help themselves. We have a lot of amazing products on sale right now at InfoWarsStore.com, like the Ultimate Immune Support Pack, our four best-selling products, together at 60% off. We have the Trafecta special, three of the best-selling items for 50% off, and X2 sold out, so important for your immune system, back in stock for 40% off for a limited time because we have limited supplies. In fact, one of these items, we only have 2,000 bottles of, so the ultimate sale will probably be over in just a few days. Take advantage of this and boost your immune system now and protect yourself and your family at InfoWarsStore.com. Jacob in Ohio. Welcome. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going, Alex? Good, brother. Uh, great last caller. I just wanted to start with plugging your sleep supplements. Uh, it's basically the only way I get sleep anymore uh, with all the gaslighting, demoralization, and absurdity. Uh, it's like we're living at a twilight zone, man. All right, Eric in New Hampshire. Eric, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, Alex. Thanks for taking my call. If I could, I just want to throw a quick plug out for the one of the product. Um, the X2 does wonders. I recommend it to everybody here on the fence about it. Get off the fence. Get the product. Support the info. Tyler in Maine. You're on the air. Thanks for holding. Go ahead. Hey, Alex. It's great to be on with you. It's an honor. Honor to talk to you. Awesome. Uh, so first thing I wanted to do is say I love the products. Alpha Power, even at 29. If you ask my better half, she loves it. Uh, and it helps in the bedroom. So just number one for a few weeks. Well, it there. definitely works. It's not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Davis Pickup, an advocate for life, uh, an advocate against abortion and against genocide, um, an advocate for those with disabilities, helping them to realize their true value, 
um, no matter their condition. And um, no stranger to that, Mark, because you have struggled with MS and have admitted that there were times that you couldn't see you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, it was a struggle. But um, like you said, there's been unexpected turns and and turns for the better, right? Yes, there have, as well as turns for the worse. Like I said earlier, we don't know what tomorrow's going to and, and it's presumptuous to make a decision based on today's uh, reality. Absolutely. Tomorrow's reality change. We've talked about... But there, uh, wanted- sorry, go ahead. I also wanted to to address in the area of disability, one of the things, particularly what happens with adult onset disability, is there is a grieving process that has to go on. It has to happen because something has changed as surely as if the person had died. The the me that used to be is no longer. But there can be a me of now. And that we can be, or you can be, as vibrant as we were before. We just have to accept that who that new me is, what that new reality involves. If we choose to stay on this side of the dis- of this the dis- of the disability, not accept that it's happened, and it, we become bitter. But if we take the courage to cross the river, so to speak, onto the onto the new reality. We can find that Christ waits there for us too and introduces us to a new ministry, perhaps, that he had that for us from the time that we were conceived, that now we embark upon our new realities. Every, all through life, there's new realities. We're new realities when we become new parents. We're new realities when we become grandparents. There's new there's, there's mammoth changes in all our lives. One of the things I wanted to do, you, you spoke yesterday with a, a man by the name of Scott, whose Down syndrome daughter was euthanized at St. Elizabeth Hospital in Appleton. Yes, and she had Down syndrome, and they, they made sure that they put that in her chart multiple times. Yes, they also made sure she, she was dead, um, they being St. Elizabeth Hospital. Am I wrong? I mean, it it looks like the evidence he's gathering more and more. I mean, the all the medicine that was given to her, well, supposed medicine, the the treatments that they had refused, but they pushed on her and gave her anyways, and ultimately a concoction of uh, drugs that took her life. Yeah, it was lethal, and, and her, her doctor knew it was lethal. Um, if he didn't know, he shouldn't be a doctor. Um but when you, as I was listening to it, I heard the word St. Elizabeth, okay, and as part of a, a larger group of hospitals called Ascension Hospitals. So after the, I watched the interview, I went online, and Ascension is a Catholic hospital system. And it, I went to their, uh, their website, and can I just read a little bit here yeah. to you? It says that the Ascension approach to diversity, inclusion, and equity. That's all the rage right now. It says, as a Catholic ministry, Ascension has a unique obligation calling and reflecting on our mission. Ascension has launched a justice-focused framework called ABIDE. ABIDE is an acronym for appreciation, belongingness, inclusion, diversity, equity. 
And this abide organization is built on what they say is the hallmarks of appreciation. Just what I said, they're, they're, what their acronym says. Mm-hmm. Um, and abide then says they have a systemic commitment to listen, to pray, to learn, and act to help address racism and systemic injustice. They started this after the killing of George Floyd. Then they go on and say, we're a non-profit Catholic health care system. They have a commitment to social justice, they say, compassionate action, advocacy for all, especially the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. If race wasn't one of the most vulnerable, I don't know who is. They say they value inclusion, justice, and equity. They say they have a unique obligation to advocate for a more just and compassionate society in words and actions. We share in the call of accountability and advocacy against systemic racism and injustice. Well, I would submit to you and to the authorities at St. Elizabeth's, A, that that did not play into this fighting against systemic racism and injustice. They are a Catholic hospital. I guess my question it becomes is what is the archbishop, or the, the bishop of that diocese, what is he saying about what happened to grace? Because that is not only against the, the new fancy policy of Ascension hospitals. It is against Catholic teaching going back to the first century. They have no business euthanizing anybody or aborting any child. Both of those have been against, like you say, church teaching from its very inception. But Grace isn't the only story. I mean, even through the work that Grace's father has done, he's seeing a pattern here. Uh, uh, Scott Shera, the work that he's done researching this, he's seen a pattern of uh, hospitals, the most at risk for dying at hospitals through these supposed protocols has been those with uh, disabilities or the elderly. So it does seem like it's part of a bigger agenda. Okay. Let me share a, 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 a bit of history with you. In, my, in the late 1990s and early 2000s, I was a member of the ethics committee for a major teaching hospital at the University of Alberta. I was a member of the ethics committee there. And I began, it was as at that time, we were beginning to see that ugly head of euthanasia acceptance rising, that the, dis- the disability um, prejudice coming to the fore. And at the time that I became involved in it, the hospital had denied a young man by the name of Terry Urquhart a heart transplant because he was Down syndrome. Um, his parents wouldn't accept that and took it to the press. Of course, the press began to, to roast the hospital, as they should have. And one of the first things I said was, well, is that our, uh, as a new member of the committee, uh, is that our policy at this hospital? And he said, yes, it is. And I said, we deserve every lump we get then. That was the beginning. Eventually, Terry did get his his, uh, transplant. But that was the beginning. And I would be sitting there as a disabled representative on the ethics committee. And people were shy to bring forth their inherent bigotry against disability. At the very end of my time there in 2004, but the last thing we did, I was late for the meeting and they came in and they were talking about a particular case. 
And the room was silent when I came in. And I said, no, Kevin, what are you talking about? It, well, anyways, there was a young man. He was 37 years old. He had multiple sclerosis. He could only move his eyes. That's all he could do. And All right, Mark, he, I, I want you to be able to tell this whole story. So we got to hit a break, and then we get back, we'll be able to finish that story. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, in the last 30 months, we've witnessed the globalists hit humanity and hit humanity extremely hard. It is beyond critical that everyone listening to the sound of my voice protect yourselves and your families to the greatest extent possible. And these two new sales do that. We have the ultimate immune support, 60% off when you get these four items together. The immune support, X2, D3 gummies, and multivitamin. The immune support formula is incredible by itself. These other three together, it is amazing. 60% off. Then the Trifecta Immune Support, 50% off on Immune Support, X2, and D3 gummies. And then 40% off on X2, now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. Now, just the X2 alone is the missing link with most people. Highest quality deep breath crystal iodine beyond critical for your immune system and your whole body. It's 40% off back in stock, but get four of the products together for 60% off. Infowars.com forward slash show. Give me liberty or give me death. This is the War Room with Owen Schroyer. Watch the live stream at band.video. Well, we say give me liberty or give me death, and they respond, okay, we'll give you death. (laughs) I mean, that has been what we've had to see. They're pushing for death of the defenseless unborn, pushing for death when it comes to the disabled. I'm speaking with Mark Davis Pickup, um, who is an advocate for the disabled, as well as an accomplished writer of the uh, when it comes to Christian faith and ethics. Um, and uh, you can find him at humanlifematters.org. But, Mark, we were just talking about um, this meeting that you had, I believe, with your ethics board. And I think what I, I'm going to share, I'm sharing with you because I think there's a direct application to the grace situation. Okay. When I, when I was in that ethics meeting and they were talking about this young man, his head name happened to be Mark. And, and were, I said, okay, so his name is Mark. What does he got? MS. He was uh, at a very advanced stage. He could only blink his eyes. But he had this um, living will in place that he did not want to die. Even if he was going to be in pain and the pain medicine, if it was going to cause him to die, he would go without the pain medication. That's how intent he was on living. And the reason that he wanted to be alive, to stay alive, was he had a son, a 12-year-old son that he wanted to see raised. The treating physician was saying, what what does this guy got to to give this child, he said, he's bedridden. And I said, that that's your opinion. He wants to be here for his child to see that boy raised. And she looked at me directly and keeping, and she knew I was, I had the same disease, except I wasn't as advanced as him. And she looked at me and she said, I do not have to treat if I think it's futile. And I said, so living wells really don't mean anything to you at all you should be reminded that the treatment may be futile. The patient never is. Um, Now, she was willing to override 
the protections he had in place, she was of the view that she did not have to treat him if she, she felt it was futile. And I would suspect there's some of this coming into play with, with, uh, with Grace. They are looking at her as a Down syndrome child who will always be a dependent who in their mind has nothing to contribute. I would argue with, with that. She has a great deal to contribute. She, has to, she can teach us to rise to a higher standard of love. She can teach us the art of simplicity. She can teach us the blessing of trust. She can give us things that matter in the end, mm-hmm. more than stuff that we buy or the education we get. She can teach us how to be human again. Mm-hmm. And I would submit that is more vital and necessary than anything, that she had a right to be here as much as I have or you have or anyone else. And they should be taken to task for ending that young girl's life. Absolutely. And like you were reading from their platform, there's this accelerated agenda to protect what they call um, persecuted classes and protect against racism and um, speak out against a bigotry. But it's just like it's ignored when it comes to those with disabilities. It's like it's accepted to ridicule them. I mean, to have written in the chart so many times that she had Down syndrome and then to on top of that write so many times that they were Christian. It's just this agenda is all encompassing against Christians and the disabled. I ironic you'd say because I remember yesterday's interview. There was these mentioned like thirty-seven times that this family was Christian. This coming from a, from a Christian hospital. Um, I would say, listen, if, if that's the way you're going to behave, then take the word Catholic off your name because you bring those of us who are devout to the teachings of the Church into disrepute. Stop the the reference to the Catholic Church because you are not Catholic, and and your actions show you're not. Well, it's a good thing that her dad is such a fighter and he's bringing attention to this. And um, we're, so, Absolutely. we're so thankful that there's advocates like you. What are you busy with um, in, in as everything has accelerated these days? Um, do you feel like the calls to defend life and the sanctity of life and protecting um, those with dis- disabilities has only ramped up? Well, what we're seeing is the outgrowth of a culture that has turned its back on God. There was a time, maybe 25 years ago, when we still had some residual of of Christian dividends we could rely on, but that's gone now. We're up against the hard edge of secularism. And so when you ask what I'm doing, it is now I am trying to present Christ as the only way back. How did we get here? How did we get from being that city on the hill that Ronald Reagan talked about to having the light go out? And now it's every man for himself. The United States is made up, and so is Canada, made up of a community of communities. People aren't independent, they're interdependent. Words like citizen and neighbor family, they all attest to the fact that we are interdependent, not independent. We have a responsibility to each other. You know, John Donne wrote those immortal words. 
Send for not to whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. What he was talking about is every man's, in fact, he says that every man's death diminishes me. Every man is part of a con the continent, a piece of domain. And then he says, so therefore, never call to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. We are interdependent. Another man's, another person's death affects me because I am poor without that contribution that they had to bring to the, the table of experience. And I would also uh, remind people that some of the finest contributions that came to our culture, Western culture, were from people who had some, some profound disabilities. Look at Ludwig von Beethoven. They, everybody knows that he was profoundly deaf when he wrote his, his Ninth Symphony, but fewer people are aware that he was going deaf when he wrote his First Symphony. All nine symphonies were written in some level of deafness. George Frederick Handel, they think, had, had, uh, was it, who had uh, um, chronic depression. Mozart, they think, now had Tourette's. Um, Van Gogh was mentally ill. And yet that's not why we remember him. We remember him for his magnificent series of paintings, Starry Nights, Sunflowers, Sunflowers, to go out on my own, my own uh, tie here. Um, Elizabeth Barrett Browning, disabled and a recluse, and yet she wrote some of the most beautiful poetry in the English language. The list goes on and on. People with disabilities have contributions to make just as vibrant and as vital as anyone else does. And we must never forget that. And we must encourage everyone, not just the disabled, but all people to rise to their fullest potential. And in the case of disability, if there are barriers to that fullest potential, try to remove them so that they can achieve what God had in mind the night that they were conceived. And I will guarantee it was never to have them killed. That is not what a civilized society does. A civilized society lifts all its members up as worthy members of that human community. Absolutely. Well, Mark, so good. You speak so eloquently and so beautifully. And if we want to read, because you're also an absolutely excellent writer, if we want to read more of your writing and follow along with what you're doing, where do we do that? Just go to humanlifematters.org. Thank you. All right, humanlifematters.org, humanlifematters.org, if you want to follow along with Mark Davis Pickup and um, read some of his beautiful writings. He's such a gifted speaker, and we thank you so much for your contributions to today. And um, I'm sure we'll be in touch. Thank you, Mark. Contributions are wonderful too. Thank you so much, Christy. There's an old Bedouin saying that's thousands of years old, and it goes like this. Trust in God, but tie up your camel. Hunter S. Thompson put it this way. Pray to God, but row away from the rocks. If your boat is going towards the rocks, pray to God that you don't get smashed on them and killed, but also try to row away. You can't just sit there like a jellyfish. And it's the same thing with our immune system. God helps those who help themselves. We have a lot of amazing products on sale right now at InfoWarsStore.com, like the Ultimate Immune Support Pack, our four best-selling products, 
together at 60% off. We have the Trafecta Special, three of the best-selling items for 50% off, and X2 sold out, so important for your immune system, back in stock for 40% off for a limited time because we have limited supplies. In fact, one of these items we only have 2,000 bottles of, so the ultimate sale will probably be over in just a few days. Take advantage of this and boost your immune system now and protect yourself and your family at InfoWarsStore.com. Frank in North Carolina, thanks for holding so long. Go ahead. Yeah, Alec, I just have to say something, man. It seems like every time I turn on your broadcast, you're bragging. It just gets old, man. I'm going to shut you down right now, okay? We're taking calls about your nomination. Do you understand they're having congressional hearings trying to shut us down? Do you understand I'm ringing the alarm? If that was happening to anybody else, I'd be freaked out. I mean, what's it going to take? Us being shut down? Is that what you want, Frank? You know what, Alex? Hey, put him on pause again. Hey, Frank, do you understand it's not bragging to say we are the tip of the spear, we're under attack, we need your help? As much begging as I do, we can barely pay the bills and grow in the face of this. I'm not going to just stop growth and let them start pushing us backwards. You understand? I need your help, Frank. I need your help, Frank. Go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and help fund the InfoWars. Do you understand? I need your help, Frank. Free press needs your help, Frank. The War Room. Infowars.com forward slash show. All right, back to the War Room. Christy Lee here. Happy Thursday. We are in our final segment of the second hour already. And I wanted to kind of dig into this whole issue of the economy because in the fifth hour or the fifth hour, <laughs> just kidding. I'm not going to be here for five hours. Don't worry. <laughs> because in the next hour, my goodness, I'm going to be um, wanting to talk about all of these food processing plants continuing to be destroyed and also um, suddenly all of the dead cattle that we're seeing. And I really want to hopefully talk to some of you um, that are ranchers or farmers and try and get down to the bottom of what is really happening with all of that. Um, but first, you know, to proceed that, I want to talk about the economy. Uh, they're just gaslighting us continually. Continually, It's really ex- working against them because they're exposing just what big of liars they are about everything and how they try and gaslight us. No, no, it's not what you're experiencing. No, no, it's not what you're actually seeing. It's what we say is happening. Um, But that's not the case. And even Democrat Tulsi Gabbard uh, has pointed out that they're just trying to um, tell us what we feel instead of allowing us to experience and feel what we're actually feeling. Let's take a look at clip number five. I'm not a political strategist, but I can tell you just as a, an American, uh, having the president of the United States not exercising leadership and just playing the blame game is incredibly disappointing. We look to the president, our commander in chief, to be solution oriented and to really address the problems and challenges that people are facing. So uh, his interview last night, I think it, it was it was disheartening and disappointing. And um, I think he painted a very clear picture of how out of touch he is. He said he was never more optimistic for our country than he is now. He's been around a long time. I don't think most Americans would share that opinion. And just by him saying that that's true, 
doesn't make it so. I think people are still struggling, still dealing with the day-to-day -day challenges of inflation, of rising gas prices, of supply shortages, all the day-to-day -day stuff that, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, it's affecting everyone. It is. Very good. I love her hair, by the way. She's got like this like X-Men storm thing going on, and I love it. So, um, so not on topic, but I just got distracted by her hair. Anyways, um, far left CNN's fact checkers call Biden's claims of personally reducing the deficit almost a bizarro world. So this things have gotten so bad that to try and assemble any ounce of integrity, mainstream media is and even the fact checkers are having to acknowledge that a lot of what Biden says is a big bunch of baloney. Uh, according to CNN, economic experts, there's that word again, economic experts say Biden is distorting reality when he claims that he is personally responsible for the deficit going down. Dan White, senior director at Moody Analytics, says the actions of the administration and Congress have undoubtedly resulted in higher deficits, not smaller ones. And then you have small business owners' expectations for future fall to a new 48 year low. This is from Breitbart. The National Federation of Independent Business said its gauge of business expecting better business conditions over the next six months fell to the worst reading in the 48-year history of the survey. Inflation continues to be a problem for small businesses with 28% of owners reporting it is their single most important problem in operating their business. I have a um, soft spot for small businesses coming from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, it is so difficult to own a business, um, to own a restaurant. To, to It's already so difficult to find good help, to find pe people that you can trust. And then um, the marketing, everything, that's already so difficult. And then you have this element of inflation into the mix. I mean, after businesses had to be shuttered because of COVID, this is just just not the it's about the worst thing that could happen right now for small businesses what they're experiencing the net percent of owners raising average selling prices increased two points to a net 72 percent consumer prices rose 8.6 percent in may uh that's the highest rate of inflation since 1981 51 percent of owners reported job openings that could not be filled this is another talking point that biden says that you know so many people are back to work and unemployment as it's lowest rate, but 51% of owners are saying they can't even fill the jobs. Maybe is that because people aren't even claiming unemployment anymore? They're just getting other handouts. They're not working. And so all these numbers are skewed. 39% of owners report that supply chain disruptions have had a significant impact on their businesses as well. All of these things can point back to Biden's failures. Wholesale inflation claims 10.8 climbs 10.8% in May, uh, hovering near 40 year high. Labor Department said Tuesday, Producer price index that me measures inflation at the wholesale level before it reaches consumers. Overall prices for goods jumped 1.4% last month. Fifth consecutive rise, biggest contributor to headline inflation figure. And in that includes a 5% gain for energy costs, 8.4% leap for gas. We're all feeling it. We're all experiencing it. It's such an insult when we have to hear our leadership saying like, no, things are great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Economists, high inflation costing Americans an extra $460 per month. A Moody's analytic economic economist, Ryan Sweet, calculated that figure based on data that was released by the Bureau of Labor Statistics last week. $460. That's nothing to, to sneeze at. The Fed said it has got inflation under control. The Fed doesn't have it under control, and they could have lost control, said Ken Polkary, chief market strategist at Slaystone Wealth LLC in Florida. 
So these are the facts. These this is what we're seeing. Um, but they have just lied to us. Let's uh, see more evidence of that and take clip number six. I really doubt that we're going to see an inflationary cycle. Most economic analysts believe that it will have a temporary or transitory impact. The faster than expected increase in some of those prices is actually a good sign. The overwhelming consensus is going to pop up a little bit and then go back down. No one's talking about this great, great deal. This is something that will uh, settle down. Transitory. Transitory. <laughs> and the data shows that most of the price increases we've seen are were expected and are expected to be temporary. There's nobody suggesting there's unchecked inflation on the way. It's un- highly unlikely that it's going to be long-term inflation that's going to get out of hand. I don't know anybody who's worried about inflation. Over the last couple of months, uh, we actually saw it trended downward. President Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, enthusiastically retweeted an economist who had said in part most of the economic problems we're facing, inflation, supply chains, etc., are high-class problems. What is the Granholm plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> oh Evil God. lady. That is hilarious. Just laughing about it. The one thing that the president can do is help get COVID under control. Uh, that, we know, is the root cause of inflation. President Biden this afternoon saying he thinks we're at the peak of the crisis right now and that lower prices are on the way. The inflation has everything to do with the supply chain. Make no mistake, inflation is largely the fault of Putin. I'm going to do everything I can to minimize Putin's price hike here at home. If you want to get rid of inflation, the only way to do it is to um, re- undo a lot of the Trump tax cuts. I think ever since you've come into office, things are really looking up. Gas is up, rent is up, food is up, everything. They think your struggles are funny as they laugh about what we're experiencing, how it's harder to get groceries, how it's harder to get around town because it costs, in my case, more than $100 now just to fill up one tank of gas. And about that, you know, well, he is continually, Biden has continually prevented us from being energy independent from producing our own oil, he then visits Saudi or he's going to visit Saudi Arabia mid-July and beg pariah uh, to pump more oil, uh, pariahs in Saudi Arabia, to, after shutting down U.S. production. So this is coming from Slay News. The move comes after president has shut down domestic output, leading in part to soaring gas prices, even though he calls it Putin's price hike, which is hilarious because as much as they tried to make that a thing, uh, are, we're a little bit smarter than that. Uh, Biden may have to go with his tail between his legs when he meets Prince Salman, as during his campaign, he famously called Saudi Arabia a pariah. See, Trump knew better than to do things like that. We'll give him credit for that. So this is happening uh, from July 13th through 16th that he's going to go and beg for oil, even though we could have, you know, supported American jobs and been energy independent and get it domestically. But no, he'd rather go there and and support them after insulting them. Let's see how all of that works out. Let's uh, finish out this segment uh, in playing clip number seven about how Trump's predictions are coming to pass. Before I took office, there was a lot of folks out there, a lot of folks out there making some pretty bold predictions about how things would turn out. You might remember some of the predictions. They're coming for your guns, they're coming for your jobs, and they're coming for your freedom. They hate American energy, and Joe Biden will shut it all down. He's going to. 
uh, that if, the, if I became president, if Biden's elected, he will wipe out your energy industry. Another prediction that is my favorite one, I must add, is that if I got elected, gas prices going five, six, seven dollars for a gallon. Invite your communities with criminal aliens. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the truth. We have the smoking gun evidence. We know what happened during the 2020 election, how the deep state controlled Democrats stole the election. All the proof, absolutely cut and dry. There's no denying it. It's the film 2000 Mules by Dinesh D'Souza, and we have the DVD with the expanded extras available right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You can also get the DVD with massive discounts when you get it with other films like Endgame, Blueprint for Global Enslavement, and the new COVID Land, The Shot, Part 3, that just came out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the film every American must have. This is the most important documentary ever made in U.S. history because it proves that a major presidential election was stolen and it shows how they did it and how they're planning to do it again. Get 2,000 Mules now at InfoWarsStore.com and show it to everyone you can so they don't steal the next election.